0: If you don't have a Bible with you, it will be on the screen behind me. love for you to follow along, but I'd love to see you in it on your phone or in your hand, whatever it may be. Philippians chapter 2 is where we are today as we continue through this letter from the Apostle Paul to the church of Philippi, verse by verse. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, just a couple of verses this morning. And I want to say this to you. For those of you who have been around for some time in Christianity, this would be a very familiar text. Don't miss it, all right? For those of you who are new and uh, you've never heard this text before, oh man, am I excited for you to hear it this morning. May we all be changed as a result of it. So let's pray together and ask God's blessing on his word this morning. God in heaven, I thank you for your word. We don't have to wonder what you expect from us. You tell us plainly. We don't have to wonder who you are. You tell us plainly. Yet, we are beyond finding out who you are. You're so far beyond us. A mystery yet. But still, what we need to know is very clear in your son, Jesus Christ. And the clearest way of that is knowing how salvation is found in him alone. That we can move from enemies to friends. From outsiders to family through the death and the resurrection of your son Jesus. And so we're grateful people this morning. We ask that your spirit would work mightily through your word. Change us today as a result. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, yesterday I was uh, with my daughter and her team at a basketball game. And she's nine years old. And as I was sitting watching nine-year-olds play basketball, I couldn't help but get a little nostalgic and think about when I was nine years old playing basketball. And I thought about my very first game that I had that season. Our coach, we had had several practices. He said, the jerseys aren't in yet. They're going to come, and I will bring them to the game on Saturday. So I was excited to go to the game on Saturday. A lot of hard work. I was excited to get my jersey. And when I showed up, the coach said, hey, guys, bad news. The jerseys didn't arrive yet, so we're going to play in pennies. Well, pennies are those see-through, tiny little yellow things that you wear, right? Uh, they're made of mesh. And all I was wearing, though, was a very heavy hooded sweatshirt in the middle of winter. It had nothing on underneath. And uh, he said, well, Posley, let's get your, jer- your penny on. And I was like, okay. Took it off and was standing there completely shirtless. And my dad's looking over at me and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't, I don't have anything else to wear. And I was like... Not in great shape, pre-puberty, kind of chunky Brad. And by doing this, like, I wasn't thrilled. I wasn't excited. I was rather embarrassed. And I got on the penny as quick as I could. It came to about here, right? <laughs> and had to play that way the entire game. And when I wasn't in the game, I had to sit on the bench uh, shirtless. And I'm just sitting there kind of trying to cover my jelly roll and just completely humiliated and to make matters worse dad and my brothers are looking at me and they're just dying laughing and pointing at me the whole entire time couldn't wait to get out of there and put my sweatshirt back on (laughs) completely embarrassed completely humiliated humiliation embarrassment that was probably more of an embarrassment than a humiliation although I never forgot it. it still feels like yesterday It was a humiliation that was forced upon me. Yet there are some things that have happened in life, in my life, and you can think about in your life that are humiliating and you never want to go through again, that you never want to talk about, and they are anything but a laughing matter. And where we are at in our text this morning, we're going to see that no matter how much you've been humiliated, nobody's been more humiliated than our Savior Jesus Christ, but the difference is, his humiliation was not put upon him, he took it upon himself. He willfully was humiliated, in fact, he brought it upon himself, it was his doing. The theme of our section this morning is the same as last week, the joy of unity, that humility Is the road to unity. Our theme is not changing this week. But Paul's tone in this letter has drastically shifted. The commands now become secondary. And what's emphasized is straight up worship to Jesus. So let's do the same this morning. As we look at the self-humiliation of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself... By assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. This is a Christological section. That means that we learn a lot about Christ in this section of Scripture, the nature of who he is. There are so many deep truths about Jesus in this passage that show us his deity, that he is God. But Paul's aim of this text is not to just give us a doctrinal exercise, but to use it to take these deep truths to help us see And glory in the humility of Jesus. This section looks a little bit different. It's a different, it looks different in your Bible. You see it there, it looks different. That's because it is different. The language changes. It's not Paul's usual language because probably it isn't Paul's language. Paul is inserting into this letter an early hymn that the church would have sang about Jesus. It has five stanzas to it. The first three stanzas tell us about what Jesus did to himself. And the last two stanzas tell us about what God the Father did to Jesus. And so we're going to look at the first section of this hymn, the first three stanzas. And here's how the stanzas are arranged. It tells us a truth about Jesus, who he is, and then his action Or his response in light of who he is. So verse 5 says this. Jesus Christ, I believe that's part of the hymn at the very end there. The last part of it. Jesus Christ, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Here's one I want to give us this morning from this text. The truth about Jesus leads me to worship Jesus and to live humbly like Jesus. So we're going to give us a truth about Jesus that leads us to worship Jesus and then calls us to live like Jesus. And here's the first truth that we must believe from this text this morning. Jesus is God. It says here that he was in the form of God. Now some take that form and think that he was just like some kind of figure of God. But form, yes, it does mean the shape of something. But it means so much more than a physical shape. When the scripture here says form, what it's referring to is the essence of something. So when it says he was in the form of God, it's saying the essence or who Jesus is, is God. And then expounds on that by saying he has equality with God. So Jesus is not the Father, but he's one with the Father. He is not the the Spirit, but he's one with the Spirit. And yet he is equal to all of different those and is one with it. Does that make your don't just spend a little bit? It should. It's the Trinitarian God that we have that is revealed in Scripture that we cannot say that we fully understand. But yet we do know this, that Jesus was the invisible God made visible. As the writer of Hebrews said, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So Paul wants us to see first and foremost the importance of this, that Jesus is who he claimed to be on earth, that he is God. And that truth then about God leads us to worship because of this. Jesus is God. And alone is a reason to worship Him. But my reason from this text this morning is He uses His position for the sake of others. You see that? Jesus is God, but I worship Him as God. And because as God, He uses His position for the sake of others. Verse 1 says, Consider. Jesus did not only consider equality with God, that's the first verb. There's three main verbs in this text. He says we do not, he does not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Exploited mean to flaunt or to use a position to manipulate. This would have been in great contract to the Greek gods of that time. That people would have heard of. The cult that talked about the gods and their power... ...that used their power to manipulate and indulge and held you captive to them? Not Jesus. Paul says earlier that citizens of heaven, we have a new king. And so we have a king who actually is God. The emperor who these people would have lived in in the time of Rome as Caesar... ...would claim himself as deity and would use his position for power and prestige. Yet not Jesus. Who actually is God. If you have a King James Version, it says he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped. It's not a closed hand, but an open hand. Ready to give. Ready to be used to give out. I remember when I was a a youth in middle school and I was at a pizza party. And they said, start with two pieces. I was the first in line. And do you think that I took two pieces right next to each other in the pizza? No. I took one piece from over here and one piece over here and made, made sure I had the biggest two pieces on my plate. Why? Because I was very selfish. And it's an illustration. That's what it means to grasp To say, this is my opportunity. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the most. And I'm going to make the best of it for me. But Jesus didn't see his position as God for his own benefit, for the benefit of others. Just sit in that for a second. Think about that. That's Jesus. God himself. Yet doesn't use his position to lloyd it over, but to use it for the sake of others. When I was in college, I worked at a country club. And I was brand new, and I didn't know any of the members, and I was just getting to know them. And I saw on the sheet of those that were going out to golf that day, one man who was taking a caddy, and his last name was Fruhan. The names have been changed to protect the innocent, okay? And uh, I came up to him, and I said, well, hello, let me introduce you to your caddy. And I said, hey, caddy, uh, you're going to be going out today with Mr. Fruhan. And he turns to me, and he says, Dr. Fruhan. I said, okay, it's good to know if there's a medical emergency, thanks for letting me know that. No, that wasn't why he told me that. He told me that because he didn't want me to forget that he was a doctor and not just a mister. Now I get it, worked hard for that, right? Uh, There are some things that you work hard and you want to be recognized for that. But this was a sense of saying, you little guy, don't forget who I am. Now, we can look at that and roll our eyes and go, oh, Dr. Fruhan, but we've all got a little bit of Dr. Fruhan in us, don't we? All of us grasping for power, wanting position, although maybe we wouldn't say it out loud in our hearts, we do. And when we get it, although we may not say it out loud, we might have company values that would tell us that we're not doing this, but yet we use that power to manipulate and to control. And here is Jesus that actually had all the power in the world And he does the opposite of everyone else He doesn't consider something great about it Or something to be grasped at But open-handed says I'm going to use my position for the sake of others This is Jesus This is our God Verse 7 The next stanza in this hymn Says he emptied himself The first verb of three here is the first one's consider. The second one is emptied. Here's what I want us to see from this. The second truth about Jesus that leads me to believe in him is Jesus is human. Jesus is human. It says that he emptied himself. Now some wrongfully, they, there was a doctrine that developed a, a while ago that was the kenosis theory... And kenosis means to empty yourself. And we say no to kenosis because it's untrue. And this is what that theory said, that Jesus actually emptied himself of his deity. He stopped being God in order to take on his human form. But he's not talking about an emptying of his deity. He doesn't cease to be God, but he sets aside for a time his role and status in heaven and limits himself in humanity, Luke two fifty two says Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and with man. So he went through the normal learning process of children. He did not understand everything all at once. He grew tired. He grew hungry. He was completely human, but he was also and still is human and completely God. He's two natures in one person. He's not half and half. He is fully God and fully man. As Augustine said, Christ emptied himself not by losing what he was, but by taking to himself what he was not. So Jesus remained God and added full humanity to his full deity, and he was and remains the God God man so that's the truth about jesus that he is god and that he is fully human here's what causes me to worship as a result of that he is a human servant he is a human servant that's the word where we get slave jesus came to earth The God of creation and was not born as a king, but as a peasant, and his goal was to serve. Any East High alum out there? Now, what's the alumni uh, slogan? For the service of humanity, right? Very biblical, very Jesus-like, but yet Jesus takes that a step further he isn't saying that he is serving humanity or that he comes to serve. It says that he took on, he was the form of God and came in the form of a servant. So it doesn't say that Jesus serves. It says that Jesus is service. That's who he is. He is a humble God who took on the form of a servant. So Jesus gives us the definition of servanthood. He's not disguised as a servant. Instead, his glory was made manifest in a servant. It's who he is. This is Jesus. This is our God, the one who was equal with God, who spoke all things into existence, took off his outer garments, and washed his disciples' feet. Can you imagine that? Do you just take that in for just a moment? That he actually didn't just say this. This isn't just a nice thing that we say. We actually see it lived out in the life of Jesus. He's God. He uses his position for others. He's man. He is a servant man. Let's look on together at the next verse of this hymn. Stanza 3 says in verse 8, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to the point of death. Truth about Jesus leads me to praise Jesus and live humbly like Jesus. Here's the next truth for me to believe. Truth for me to believe is Jesus is my humble savior. Only someone who is fully God and fully man can actually save. You know that? He came for the purpose of obediently dying in our place. Shai Lin, a Christian rapper, says this. Only a human could suffer for human life. And only God could bear the wrath of God and survive. So a man, who, who broke God's law? Humans, right? So who's the only one that can die in the place of humans? A human. But not just any human, a perfect human. One that has fulfilled all the law, never sinned, and is able or qualified now to die in the place of humanity who broke the law and are full of sin. Enter the God-man Jesus, who comes and is able to die. You're not just saved from his death, we're also saved from his perfect life. And because of his perfect life, he was able to substitute himself for humanity. And as God, he was able to satisfy the demands upon humanity because he is God himself, the sinless Savior. And in the garden, he went and he said, Father, the hour has come. Could this cup pass from me? Yet not but my will, but your will be done. And after his obedient life, he obediently goes to the cross as a humble savior to save us. Verse 8 says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. It's a surprise. It's like, what? Yes, he came to die. Yes. You know how he died? By dying on a cross. Truth about Jesus leads me to praise Jesus. And live humbly like Jesus here's the next truth for me to believe Jesus is my humble Savior my reason to worship is he suffered in my place he suffered in my place are you awake this morning did you hear that Jesus suffered in our place oh my did you know that Paul was not qualified to be crucified did you know that all who heard this letter read in the church in Philippi, Roman citizens, they were unable to be crucified. None of them were allowed to be crucified because it was unlawful for them to be crucified as Roman citizens because it was too cruel of a way to die. It was too inhumane for anybody who was a Roman citizen It was protected by law. You could not be crucified. Crucifixion was reserved for the drags of society. Crucifixion was reserved for the lowest of low who couldn't even die inside the city. They had to be taken outside of the city to say this person has defied Rome. They are unworthy of us and they died the most cruel death imaginable. And so here is God himself beaten, mocked, his hands stretched out. Nails driven into his wrist and into his feet and hung upon a cross, striving for breath. Every breath having to push up on the nails as people come by him and spat on him. Mocked him. Mistreated him. Complete stripped naked on the cross as people came by and riled him and made fun of him. The creator of all peoples was being mocked and beat by those who he had created the reason for my worship is that he suffered in my place so truth about jesus leads me to praise jesus and live humbly like jesus paul says had the same attitude of christ he did not become humble he is humble he's the definition of humanity and i want you to see this church that the commands of christ in this section are rooted in who we are in christ he on purpose shows us this beautiful example of jesus and he says this is your savior look at who he is model your life in such a way as this Don't work harder, don't try harder, look to Jesus and let his spirit enable you to say no to the things that are wrong and yes to him. Vertical worship results in horizontal living. I think the problem of so many of us is that we're trying to do this and we spend very little time doing this. The key to living life godliness this way is by having a life that is full of vertical praise to god i would say that if you're struggling so much and can't get over sin it's not because of a lack of effort on your part maybe but because jesus is not huge in your life he's just an add-on but when you see jesus for all of who he is you stop asking questions like how, far, how much can I get away with? What is the minimum requirement of me where I'm still considered a Christian? Those questions, when you look at Jesus and you see the King in all of his beauty, those fade away. And are like, what a ridiculous question. When I look at God in all of his glory, who substituted himself for me, my response is, I'll do anything. I'll give my life, I'll die, I'll do whatever it takes because I've seen the beautiful king who humbled himself and took on a body to die in my place. And so I learned to live for him. Jesus did what we could never do. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Jesus never did. Paul says, but in humility, consider others more important than yourselves. Jesus always did. He says, everyone should not look out to your own interests, but rather the interest of others. Well, that's who Jesus is. And that's why he's qualified to be our Savior. And so, as one said, this hymn... This song of Christ does not lift our eyes to the heavens to see the wonders of creation. It does not lift our hearts by showing us wonderful miracles of healing and deliverance. It takes us down, down to the deepest, darkest hellhole in human history to see the horrific torture, unspeakable abuse and bloody execution on a cross. This hymn celebrates the death of a slave. Although he is forever the one existing in the form of God, he is on the cross by his own deliberate choice to humble himself. Let's pray together. God that you would leave your throne to come to a stable to be born as a peasant to be fully obedient to fulfill the law to never sin To grow weary, to grow tired, to feel the weight of being discouraged, to feel the loss of a friend who you are near to. You are human, and yet you never cease to be God, and in your perfect life you have gone to the cross, humbled yourself. Endured the, the shame, endured the mocking, took on our sins so that we could have freedom. God, I pray for the one that's in this room that they've lost the awe that that be recaptured by your word this morning. They don't, they don't think about you, they just go on mm. and they come to church. May that cease. May their joy grow when they think about the one who was high and was made low so that we could have forgiveness. God, help us to be a church that's full of gratitude, that looks at you and what you've done and says, oh, all I can give you is my life. So God, as we sing to you now and respond to you, God, may we unhindered as children Lift our hands to you and say, we need you. I need you, God. I thank you. I'm so grateful. And as we hear your word now, read about your service, may we glory in our great Savior. Let's stand together. We're going to hear God's word read to us, and then we're going to respond with a few songs together.